Last week we looked at the uh, promises for parents, and I can read one of the promises for you. Psalm 103, starting in verse 17 and 18. This is one of the promises. They're all over the Bible. But here's our, our main promise for today for parents. But the steadfast love of the Lord, that's his covenantal loyalty, his covenantal faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, we sing. We could sing, great is thy steadfast love. It's this, great is thy faithfulness to the covenantal promises that you've made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, into which we have been grafted. But that doesn't have as much of a ring to it, yeah. But, uh, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. What does that mean? means his faithfulness is not deterred by circumstances or time or uh, the changing of epochs or eras. Um, <laughs> and it is on those, his steadfast love is on, it is on those who fear him. Amen. All right. And his righteousness is on those who fear him. Right? For how long? To children's children. So it's an expression that his covenantal faithfulness, the blessings, the promises, the terms and conditions, the covenant is on his people and their children, two children's children, right? Um, <clears throat> then, and this is what this class today is on specifically, it, 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 uh, it renames that particular group. It renames that group, Okay to those who keep his covenant. You see that right there? <clears throat> and remember to do his commandments, which is one flows from the other. If you keep his covenant, you remember his commandments. And if you keep his covenant and remember his commandments, you do his commandments. And you can be rest assured that his steadfast love is on you and your children's children. Right. Okay, does that make sense? Is that good? Any questions on that particular thing right there? All right. So, from this particular passage, we see that, yes, there are promises for parents, but the promises are conditional. That doesn't mean they're not in grace. Everything is in grace. We live under a canopy of grace. Everything is grace. Amen? But they are conditional. The promises are conditional. Um, the Pharisees believed that his covenantal promises to children's children were unconditional. In the sense, except for one, their, their genetic relationship to Abraham. And, G and John the Baptist said to them, don't think that just because you're genetically related to Abraham or you were born into a Christian family that, that you're good. He said, God doesn't need you, right? You need him. He can make children out of rocks. But ideally, he would like to make children out of Abraham, right? <laughs> right? I mean, he doesn't have to raise up the next generation of faithful Christians through us. He could make faithful Christians from Muslims in Iran, you know, if he'd like. But he would prefer, his intentions have been clearly stated, and, and I would certainly prefer that he make the next faithful generation from us and from them, right? Makes sense? Okay. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. You will reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. You have to understand that the full scope of these things. Children... If you don't keep his covenant, remember to do to remember and do his commandments, then you can't expect, you know, you can't claim the promise. Now, he might be merciful to you regardless, because even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. But you can't claim the promise 
the blessings of the covenant if you're not keeping the terms of the covenant, right? And if Christ church is going to go to the next generation, the parents have to be faithful. And if, the, if Christ church is going to go to the third generation, our kids have got to be faithful. Those high schoolers, they've got to be faithful. It, they're going to have their turn, right? Right now, they're in a household. They're in households. They're under, under fathers and mothers. So it's not yet their turn, so to speak. They have personal responsibility for, to some extent. But one day, they're going to be heads of the household. They're going to be elders of this church. They're going to be leaders and influencers and teachers and, and everything, they're going to be uh, out there in the community. And if they're faithful, it will extend to the next generation. Every generation gets their, their test. Will they be faithful to the terms of the covenant? Right? And if you are, God is. Amen? So w- while in our first lesson we saw that there are promises for parents, in this lesson we're focusing on the responsibilities of parents. Right? The responsibilities. What must we do? What is our duty? What are the terms of the covenant? Right? <clears throat> so... Right there in verse 18, you can see it in broad, in a broad sense. Y'all need a seat? Are y'all good? Everybody's good? Yeah, come on in. In a broad sense, you can see it. There's three main things, parents, what, what you must do. Okay, three main things. First thing, you must keep his covenant. So if you're taking notes, that's one. The second thing is remember the terms and conditions of the covenant, which is what we call commandments. And statutes, okay? And then the third thing is do the terms and conditions of the covenant. Do the law. Obey Jesus, okay? So that's your three things, basically. And they're not all the same. They're different. The first one is you have to keep covenant. If you're a parent, you want God to be faithful to his promises, you want your kids to grow up to be an honor to you and not an embarrassment to you, um, then you have to keep the terms of the covenant, all right? (laughs) And uh, how do you keep, I mean, how do you keep covenant? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Okay. <laughs> Keeping it is not breaking it. Obedience. Well, what kind of obedience? Obedience, yes, that is faithful and steadfast. It's a cheerful, yes, from the heart obedience. But biblical evangelical obedience flows by grace through faith. That's right. Anything that is not a faith is not actually obedience. It's sin. And there's a lot of people who might look on the outside that they're doing keeping the terms of the covenant but they have no faith and that will not be blessed that will not be blessed um listen to uh how well first just real quick uh, let me go a little bit deeper on this particular concept when we say keep the covenant what covenant covenant am i talking about all right list the covenants Uh, who wants to list them for us start with adam abraham well, yeah, there's Noah, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus. That's right. right. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and I can't. About six years ago, I lost the use of my pinkies um, for whatever reason. But, so there's five, right? Five. Um, which one of those are we keeping? All of them. Now, I, you have to know. Um, because I want to be transparent with you, not everyone agrees with that. Some people believe these five are totally separate. Some people believe there's overlap. Um, I I believe with, you know, the historic church and a lot of really smart people, and I would agree, believe Jesus as well, that they're all different administrations 
right, or of the same covenant, right? Now, if you, if you look, just as one quick proof text, I've done an entire course on this. I have an entire series on the covenants if you want to understand this concept, all right, where I prove that it's all five are like a flower. They grow over time, and eventually in the new covenant in Jesus, they blossom. They finally become everything they were always meant to be, okay? So that's, I have a course that I believe biblically proves that, um, but look there at Psalm 103 one more time. He says, um, verse 17, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, a.k.a. to those who keep his covenant and remember to do them. Okay? What covenant, David? Help us out, David. You see, that's, that's just one of a thousand proof texts to try to show you how the biblical writers think of all of them as one. You understand what I'm saying? David had the Davidic covenant. There was also the Abrahamic, the Noahic, the Mosaic, and the Adamic. Which one? The one. Okay. Um, um, <clears throat> so, <coughs> go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, and we will show you, um, we'll show you how to keep it. Genesis 15, 5. Um, if you think that all the covenants are separate, um, then you will read the Bible differently. Okay? That's just, that's just uh, in, in Sunday school, we show you how the sausage is made. All right? In the sermons, I just tell, tell people. Right? But in Sunday school, you get, this is how the sausage is made. If you think they're all different, you will, you will interpret the Bible differently, and you will come to different conclusions. And if you, if you expand that over thousands of years, you'll have a different culture. It'll be a, di- a different society will grow. Like the buildings will look different, and the people will think different. It will be a different world. Okay? Um, now, of course, God is merciful to us and, and, and helps us out even when we don't interpret things correctly. Amen? Thank God. Right? Um, <coughs> so, but anyway... Um, Pastor Brandon, what does all this keeping covenant have to do with me? Well, it's because the promises to parents are for those who keep the covenant, right? What covenant? The covenant. What does that have to do with the gospel? Well, the, the covenants are the gospel. Paul calls the promises to Abraham the gospel in Romans 4, if I remember correctly. It's basically the gospel, all right? Um, Genesis 15, verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, this is to Abraham, who was getting a little down in the dumps because he didn't have an heir, and he was promised to be a father of many nations, and he didn't even have one kid yet, and he was knocking on a hundred. So, <laughs> you know, your trials last for three years, and, you know, you almost want to die. Uh, Abraham's trials going on for decades. Of course, he lived way longer than us, too. But, um, and he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Wow. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, who famously used that particular verse to say we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast? For your father Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Who used this verse to teach us the basics of the gospel? Paul in the book of Romans. That's exactly right. Interestingly enough, James says, now your father Abraham, was he not justified by works? Ah, James. (laughs) 
James uses the same passage to say what seems to be contradictory, but they're using, they're using terms a little bit differently, writing at different times. And, uh, but I do think it is an interesting aspect that God left both of those in because faith cannot be separated from works. If there is faith, there will be works, right? Um, <clears throat> so, but anyway, so how did Abraham keep the commandment? Uh, how did Abraham keep the covenant, I should say? It begins with faith. He believed the promise of God. So parents, what's your first responsibility? Believe the promise. All those promises that we read, that's your first responsibility. If you want to be, be a, a good parent that knows how to spank their children, you must spank as a work which flows from faith in the promises of God to you that he desires and his intentions are to save your child, to be God to you and to your children after you. And you spank in that. You said, Lord, you said, you said. You see what I'm saying? And even when you have a bad kid and he tests your faith, but you said, but you said, if you don't have that faith, it will not, you will not be spanking righteously and it will not produce the fruits of righteousness. It will be sin and will lead to sin. It will lead to legalism or licentiousness in your kid, right? There's a lot of people that say spanking doesn't work. No, 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 no. Spanking outside of faith doesn't work, I promise you, all right? <coughs> Christian school doesn't work apart from faith. You understand? Homeschool doesn't work apart from faith. You know, throwing money at every solution, not gonna, nothing works unless it is through faith. Amen? All right. So how did Abraham keep the covenant? Faith. You have to have faith. And, of course, if you have faith as a parent, it will work. And what will be one of the first works? You will remember the covenants. How do you remember the covenants? I mean, remember the commandments, I should say, the terms of the covenant. How do you remember them? Well, the, primarily, you are a faithful covenantal member of a church that uh, teaches you to observe all that Jesus has commanded. That's what a church that's doing the Great Commission. That's primarily what you need to do. You, need to, you can be reminded of the commandments. You can be taught the commandments if you have those that the Lord has called to teach the commandments to you. But also, there's other things. You should be uh, reading, right? Reading your Bible. I'm sorry. We read the covenant documents. Yeah, that, that would be helpful. The Bible, the Bible. And we have a Bible reading plan, by the way, if you want to, you don't have to do that one. But if you want to like have one more way in which you're in touch with other people in your church, that's a great way to do it because everyone's reading the same stuff at the same time. So did you hear about, you know, uh, uh, what would be like Jotham last week? You know, interesting. Oh, Jotham. Okay, yeah. So if it, that's one way to do it. But you have to remember them. You have to know the commandments. That means you need to read your Bible. You need to be listening to instruction. You need to be attending to the teaching of, of God's word if you want to be faithful to the covenant. If you're ignorant, it's hard to be faithful to the, to the terms of the covenant, right? And so if you read the, well, that's a bad, I was going to say if you read the contracts you sign, but then I realized no one ever reads the contracts. <laughs> Partly because we have no intention of keeping them. It should things go uh, awry, you know, but... You've got to read those covenants. All right. <clears throat> so then, after remembering it, we must do everything that he has taught us to do. So if, if you want to be a, a good parent, you have to believe the promises. That's step one. And out of that faith, do all the things that he told you to do as a parent. And how many laws has he given to parents? I don't, I don't know the number, right? Um, but those are the things you must do. I don't know how many, but those are the things you must do, all right? 
So I have some specific ones. We have some specific ones, and we could do this for a long time, but I'm just going to cover the, some of the primary ones. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Here's one of the things you must remember and do out of faith. All right. Discipline your son. Amen? All right. And, and discipline, it takes many forms. It's modeling. It's teaching. It's instruction. It's saying no. Right? It's saying yes, it's spanking, all of those things. You must discipline your son. Amen? All right. Um, any questions on that? Is anyone, if, if, I don't think this class is ever going to get into the mechanics of spanking, but I'd be happy. There's plenty of people that could help you with that. Yeah, no, it's not the only instrument, but it's, it's at least... It's a min- it's one of them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Good. Um, and he will give you rest. Amen. And I, a lot of we were talking about this in the lobby. Uh, the men in our church, as far as I know, all the men in our church um, that God is, you know, that can want to have kids, want to have a bunch of kids. Um, somebody on, on Facebook asked a group that I'm in recently, is it a sin for Christians to decide not to have children like we're getting married in in March and we've kind of decided you know the population is on the rise and global warming and uh, food shortages we've decided not to have children is that a sin and I just wrote yes (laughs) and then I did dot 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 and insane right (laughs) because you've got to be insane Right. I mean, and if you don't know why you'd have to be insane, talk to me later. I'd love to I'd love to paint a picture of you in your old age. Right. And 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 I'd like. Yeah, I'll just I'll just tell you about what it's like to be a 47 year old. You know, what I mean, and the things that you like in this world and the things that you look forward to. And uh, and or you, know, you can talk to an older person like your children are a blessing. Right. The children are a blessing. And um and by the way, I know not everyone in our church has children, but there are promises for you too. We, maybe we could do a class on that. The Bible says that even eunuchs have children in the covenant of the Lord, right? How can that be? How can eunuchs have children? Because they're part of a church family. That's right, they're part of a church family. And for whatever reason, God has called that particular person to raise up children in the church and raise up brothers and sisters in the church in a unique and special way that, that people who are busy um, you know, sleepless nights and poopy diapers aren't able to, aren't able to do, right? And so in God's, God's wisdom, he decided to do that. All right, so Proverbs 19, 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will delight, he will give delight to your heart. Amen. So all the, all, if you do want to have a lot of kids, just real quick, you need to make sure that your, the older kids are giving your wife rest or else she's not going to want to play along, all right? So you can't just birth the babies, <laughs> and then uh, be, you can't make your wife do all the hard work. You understand what I'm saying? Like, your job is, you're, you're, you got to come in clutch once that, that baby hits, hits the ground. Once those two feet hit the ground, you got to come in clutch for a long time, a lot of years. Of course, moms are doing that, too. But you want to get to the point where your kids give you rest, which then frees you up for whatever the Lord's called you to do. It, it, maybe that's have more kids or maybe that's other things but um but you gotta you want your kids to give you rest and you want him to them to give you delight in your heart amen all right 
Um, how your kids turn out is not arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. God's not up there spinning some sort of uh, dice or a, what is the game where you load the gun? Russian. It's not Russian roulette with your kids. You know, sorry, the fourth one, not elect. Right? Saved. 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 That's terrible. God's not arbitrary. Right? This child will give, we'll see, will this child give rest to their parents? Yes. Right? No, it's not arbitrary. We have the promises and we have the terms. You understand what I mean? All right. If this is the first time you've ever heard this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Proverbs 13:24. Whoever spares the rod ha- is wise and enlightened and has read all the great new parenting books. No, whoever spares the rod hates his son. Hates. Doesn't mean they don't have sentiment in their heart towards their children. It doesn't mean they're not emotionally attached to their children. It doesn't mean they wouldn't cry if their kid got caught in a fire, right? They love their kid in some sense of the term. But by and large, when you look at it, bird's eye view, discipline leads to a child giving rest and delight to their parents. A lack of discipline brings shame on the parents, meaning that parent later in life will be ashamed of their kid. You understand what I mean? If you don't spank your kid, you are contributing to the, to the fact that he is going to become a shame to you and an embarrassment to everyone. You see what I'm saying? You have to discipline them consistently in faith, in the promises. Amen? Got to get that right. Got to get that right. Um, patiently waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promises, even when the kids are, are testing your, your faith. Amen? And, and even when circumstances come into the life of the kids that test your faith, you have to persevere in doing what you're supposed to do. Amen? Right. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. The lack of discipline has a negative effect on the future of your kid's life. That's why it says you hate them. You're acting like you hate them. Okay? All right. Now, let's talk about that for a second. When should you begin disciplining the children? Immediately. Immediately. There's no age of accountability anyway. There's especially not an age of accountability with discipline. All right? Um, doesn't mean that you, you bring your seven-month-old into, the, into your room, your office, for an extended exhortation, right? <laughs> and, you know, and, and a, f- a full-blown spanking. That's ridiculous, okay? You can't even walk yet. But you must discipline them. You must discipline them, okay? Um, and uh, there's talk to the people who have raised kids that bring them rest and honor, and they can give you a lot of tips and tricks on that, okay? People with hellions, smile, but don't take their advice, okay? Just a general, they might get something right here and there, but generally speaking, don't listen to them, okay? <laughs> That's common sense, right? But you have to begin uh, discipline early on, and, and don't, you know, we're, we're not trying to be the, uh, the, it's not to be legalistic. The Bible doesn't exactly say how to tend to every little thing, you know? Don't, we don't want to be that kind of church with the spanking police going around, was that hard enough? I don't know, you know. No wonder that kid's a brat, you know. 
You, you, we don't have enough information to be judging people. You understand what I'm saying? But discipline, discipline. Um, Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Um, does anyone have that in the King James? Because um, that uh, particular case, I believe the King James uh, interpreted that, the case there with the word hope a little bit differently. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. All right, that's true, Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, there's hope. Amen. Some of you need to hear that. But does anyone have the King James on that? Yeah. Yeah, this, this, is a, uh, this is another one. How does it go? And let not thy soul spare for his crying. <laughs> Man, that's a good one. I like that. Have your soul ever spared for all the crying? Probably so, yeah. But look, look, while there is hope, while there is hope. You know, we have some uh, red maples out there and some Drake elms, and we have some uh, sweet olives. These are names of trees. And uh, I'm super excited about one day these being beautiful, majestic trees that offer the next generation shade and beauty, right? We don't have a ton of money, but we want our, our property to be beautiful because God is beautiful. <laughs> but, the, huh? No, Solomon. Most of them. Solomon plus a few others. Um, right. But, yeah, both of them were bad parents. Um, but those trees are young enough still, not the Drake Elms. The Drake Elms are about, they're like a 15-year-old, going to be what they're going to be, you know. Um, and, uh, but the, but the, uh, the red maples still have a little bit of pliability a little bit of flexibility in them, and you have to train them while there is still time to train them because there's going to come a time where you're no longer going to be able to make those, uh, those big decisive changes, and, and you're just going to become a coach. You see what I mean? And it sure is easier to be a, co- a coach when they're going in the right direction toward the sun, right? So you have to make sure... If you're, go- if you're going to slack off as a parent, slack off when they're older, not when they're between one and seven, okay? Uh, because the age, between the age of, of zero and eight, especially, I'd say, I mean, all of it's important, but zero to eight is, is go time. You've got to be consistent. You've got to make sure that you are um, laying a, f- a solid foundation with the structure of your family, with what you say yes to and no to. With, with the discipline, with, the, with just the, their entire life, everything that you establish for them. Make sure that you're disciplining them in the right direction. Amen? Um, <coughs> seize the moment. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Here's another one. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far. My wife is texting me uh, helpful tips. All right, this is good. Start having children... it's funny all right start having children while you're young so that you have the energy to do all of this amen (laughs) amen because there's coming a time when you will not have the you don't think you have the energy you're exhausted wait what you don't you don't but in your 20s you you have the energy so have an awesome honeymoon and enjoy those nine months of getting to know each other. 
you know, historically, that's, what the, that's one of the reasons for an intimate, uh, expensive, long honeymoon. It's a great thing because usually the couple would come back pregnant. That's, that's the whole point. You don't, want him, uh, uh, you don't want them under the burden of, of work and stress. Let, let, them, let them have a vacation where they can spend time and it's romantic, and that way you get a baby right out of the bat. That's, uh, our, of course, our world has, has diluted and polluted everything about marriage, including that. But, um, uh, good. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Oh, by the way, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Amen. God promises to deal with the heart of the child. You see that right there? Through the parent and through the parent's discipline. In this particular case, it's the rod. But there's other things, obviously. But um, So the spanking is a means that God typically or normatively uses to uh, make the child wise. Right and not foolish. Good. What and what is the heart of foolishness? The fool says in his heart, "I'm God. Give me what I want now." Right. I am the center of this household. I am the center of the universe. There is no God, which is another way of saying I'm God. That's what the fool says in his heart, and your kid says that they 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 think that, and the rod is a theological lesson that can go through their butt into their soul. There's a portal somehow (laughs) into their soul. And, and And the lesson is, you're not God. You're done, right? You're not God, right? You're not God. Uh, that, by the way, um, that's why it's so very important to say no, to say no, especially when your children are little, right? Um, not to say no arbitrarily with made-up stupid rules. I'm not saying that. That just frustrates a child because they can't follow the, the, they can't follow your laws. They can't follow the path of your laws back to God's law. Like your laws should, there should be a, a path from your law through to God's law. Not that you can theologically explain every single law to your kids because you're not a theologian or a pastor, but you can tell them, look, my mom and dad did it this way. I do it this way because they kind of taught that to me. And I'm pretty sure we have to do it this way. Pastor Brandon, is there a connection between what we're doing here in our family and God's law? And I can, I can help you, if it, right? Uh, and we've talked about this before, but I've had kids, I've been teaching for a long time, and kids are always like, the Bible doesn't say you have to raise your hand to talk. You know what I mean? They don't get why you have to. The Bible doesn't say you have to walk in a straight line, right? And that's true. But anyone who's ever tried to walk down a sidewalk in a city knows there's some kids that were never taught to walk in a line. They take up the whole sidewalk, and they don't leave any room for other people, and they don't even think about other people. They're just doing their thing. I'm just moseying on wherever the heck I want, right? They stand in the street. It's because no one ever taught them to walk in a line. No one ever told them there's a way to walk, and there's a way not to walk when you're walking in crowds with other people, right? And there's plenty of adults you know that don't know how to wait their turn to speak, and they don't have a lot of friends because they're just blowing everyone up because no one ever taught them, raise your hand to speak. You see, there is a connection, right? Even though the kid may not know or you may not be able to explain, but you just want to, you don't say no over arbitrary things. Make sense? 
Um, but you've got to say no. They need to know that they're not God. And, and one of the best ways to do that is to say no to them. Oh, wait, no? Right? And they will, they'll make you pay for it because it's a clash of gods. <clears throat> it's the God versus them. So you say no, and, uh, and, and then you back that up if you have to. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. <clears throat> Amen. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Brings shame to his mother. And, um, and we're running out of time, but let me say the, the most controversial thing. There's plenty of people that will tell the parent later in life, listen, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Right. But you can't make that that uh, case biblically. Right. I'm not saying it's exclusively the parent's fault, but when a child brings shame on their parents, it is partly the parent's fault. And the best thing to do when you're at fault is to say, I'm at fault. Confess it. Get grace. Because then you can actually pray and ask God to be merciful and not give everybody what they deserve. You understand what I mean? But if you're like, it's not my fault. I didn't have nothing to do with it. Well, you're, you're, going to be a, uh, you're not going to be a good candidate for mercy. You understand what I mean? And, and you're not doing anyone a favor when you tell them, it's, you didn't do anything wrong, they did it. It's not you. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is a correlation between parenting and whether or not the child gives rest to their mom and dad or gives shame on their mom and dad. Right? It's not the only aspect, but it is one of the aspects. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 5. <coughs> He who gathers in, oh wait, did I skip one, Kevin? I did. Let's go to Proverbs 28, 7. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Want your, parent, you want your kids to be ashamed to you? Then don't uh, think about who they hang out with, right? You pick your kids' friends. You understand what I mean? And uh, if they come to Christ Church Academy, you do it. You have myself and Pastor Scott in your corner because we kick a lot of people out. Well, not a lot. We kick people out. And we say no to a lot of people because we don't want your kids or our kids to hang out with losers, right? Because we don't want them to be ashamed to us when they're older. Amen. Should I put this on the Internet? <laughs> Put that on that. Uh, listen. <laughs> yeah, you made the you made the cut by grace, by grace. <laughs> Proverbs ten five. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Who has to teach the kids how to work hard and when to work hard? Parents got to do that. You got you got to make sure they learn while the time is ripe to work hard, to work hard. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs 17.2 if they're lazy it's your fault okay and uh, if they're 17 and they're in high school and they're lazy don't be like well you know that's on you I don't have nothing to do with it you do have something to do with it you need to confess that you let the iPad parent them for many years and it's your fault and then you can ask God to help you uh, and to forgive you and to help your kid and be merciful on your kid, right? But if you're just like, not my fault, God, I didn't do it. You must have done this one. No, you're not going to get mercy. You're not going to get mercy. 
Proverbs 17.2, a servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers, right? See, one of the, one of the aspects of reaping and sowing is if you don't discipline them at the proper time and train them up and teach them hard work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they don't get the inheritance. And the inheritance passes from them to people who, who get it because he is faithful to those who keep his covenant, right? Amen? All right. <clears throat> so if we do our part through faith, resting in his grace, then our children will not become a brood of vipers, right? Amen? Um, because God intends to, to save them, but we have to, uh, we have to be faithful ourselves. Any final closing thoughts or any questions or anything I said that just really, you, really made you just need some nuance? I'd be happy to help. Yeah, the apostasy of our society is not because we're just God. The the uh, the craps table in heaven is just landing short every time. No, the apostasy in our nation is because the parents aren't being faithful to the covenant. Right, the children are leaving the church these days. Come on, God, you know, give us another, you know, spin the wheel one more time. No, no, no. It's because the parents aren't being faithful. God has made His intentions clear. Right. Um, any, anything else? Any other questions, comments? I mean, I, I I hate to like be so specific, but I mean, when they start, you know, I would say it depends on what you mean. It depends on what you mean, okay? Uh, but puberty, I think, is obviously a natural place where you stop. Um, but it's going to be a little different for each kid. Uh, I think we probably stopped around 11, 10, 11, something like that. <laughs> they were out there with that grown tree, just, you will. <laughs> I tell parents now when their kids are that age, I was like, I don't, you're not going to be able to beat their personality. You know, you can't, they, they're who they are. They are who are they? They are who they're going to be. So now you got to, <laughs> you know, yeah, the concrete is dry. Ain't no use in uh, beating it. <laughs> yeah, I bet that made you really angry too, huh? I bet it was, humi- it, it was humiliating, huh? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. All right. Um, the, we, there will be a picnic after church today. The weather is beautiful. Um, I hope you brought food. If you didn't bring food, at least hang around and, and, uh, and talk to folks and say hi, and y'all greet visitors and stuff. All right? All right, y'all have a good Lord's Day. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Did anybody actually get some vindication for last week? Oh. Aaron told me this story, and his anger was not sinful anger. It was righteous indignation. So that's fine. All right, you're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>